We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like curiosity about our partner's past relationships, enjoying what you have or shooting your shot, and breaking heteronormativity as queer people. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners or relationship advice givers in any way. We are just two people who've been through the ringer a number of times and want to bring our hard lessons to the masses. Oh, the masses. The masses. (laughs) Yeah, this is all to say Sam and I are not professionals. We are not trained or accredited in giving uh, relationship advice, nor are we mental health professionals. So please take this advice as you see fit in your life. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs in the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, this week's check and topic because this is the last episode of 2022. I thought Sam and I could share our biggest life lessons that we've learned this year. You know, we all learn. I feel like the the title life lessons feels like really big and important. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of all learn life lessons all the time, even if yes. they're small revelations, even if they're just something we heard on a podcast or something we learned in therapy or whatnot. So it's, I always love hearing what people like pull out of their year, you know, as something that really stuck with them in their process of, of life and learning. So I thought we could do that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that sounds like a great idea. Um, so what are some of the life lessons that you've gleaned in, in 2022? Um, I think the first one that comes to mind, um, I had a really wonderful year, um, and a very challenging year. Um, I had a wonderful year because 
my daughter was born and I became a parent and that has uh, changed my life in so many ways. Um, but something that I've had to work through in therapy is my birth experience, um, which was very mm. traumatic mm -hmm. and I don't want to necessarily get into the details. Um, I sort of just want that to be mine, um, and my family's, uh, but something that I've worked through in therapy and have had to tell myself is, and this sounds so silly and elementary, but it's bad things happen to everyone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's not some sort of karmic, uh, karmic math playing out. You know, I worked really hard to have a different birth experience. And then when it unfolded the way that it did, I just kept thinking like, of course, of course it would happen like this. Of course it would be difficult and not what I wanted. And of course, yep. um, there would be struggle and, um, and whatnot. Uh, and it felt like it was something that was like my fault. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I remember having this revelation in therapy, which again, sounds so silly, but it was like, oh, like lots of people have bad birth experiences, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. lots of people have this happen to them and they didn't do the X, Y, Z things that I think that I did or, or they right. did. And it also happened to them, you know, like I had to sort of separate myself from what happened and just remind myself that this happens to everyone. Like I'm not special. I'm not bad enough that I'm special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what, it, that's what I needed to work through is that what happened to me, um, isn't unique, nor is it a punishment from some like karmic being who thinks that I don't deserve to have the birth experience that I really worked to have. Mm -hmm. So that's what I am. I'm carrying with me into 2023. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just like, um, you know, it's like one of those things where the worst thing that you don't expect to happen happens. And then you have to like figure out how to yeah. process through that or like hold that in a way that is appropriate to its size. Right. Like it was big and tragic and also it doesn't tell a, a broader story about anything in particular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it sounds very elementary to be like, bad things happen to good people. But as somebody who really struggles with shame and feeling shame physically, it's, it's hard for me to not equate something that happened in my body as like my fault or something that is like shameful about me. Yeah. Um, in fact, like the reason why I don't want to share my birth experience is because I think it, I'm still like embarrassed and ashamed of it. Sure. You know, like I, I don't even like talking about it. Um, but just reminding myself that like, I'm not unique in that. I'm not unique in the fact that I had this bad experience and that, the, that those bad experiences that happened to me and everyone around me, I would never look at, you know, you or a loved one or a stranger even and say, oh, well, that bad experience happened because of X, Y, and Z, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. yeah, you accrued sure. this, you know, you deserved this. Um, mm -hmm. Just sort of trying to like really feel that in my body as I move forward and, and, and move on. Yeah. 
That's a, that is a what big about one. you, Sam? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, mine is that uh, all things end. So it's sort of mm. having this revelation about lots of different parts of my life, but particularly um, I was laid off from my job a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was a job that I was like, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life and that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, I think just sort of this idea of not necessarily like needing to be hyper vigilant about like the fact that like things can happen or things end, but more so just this idea of um, accepting the idea that everything is, is um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Transient. <laughs> That's not, that's not it. Finite. Yeah. Everything's finite. Yeah. Um, everything, you know, sort of comes and goes and ebbs and flows in, in different ways. Um, and I think that, uh, a lot of us, and, um, I'm speaking for myself in this too, is that like being the idea that there like, won't always be something there to save us is like really hard to, to grasp or like hard to hold on to like the idea that like nobody's going to step in and to like change the outcome of this um is kind of hard for me to accept as somebody who like generally likes to have like abiding faith in the world <laughs> so mm. uh trying to navigate both this idea of like I can have faith that things will work out all right while also recognizing that like my comfort is not guaranteed right and mm. and like holding both of those things as true, right? Like this next phase of my life might be really uncomfortable because I'll have to make particular sacrifices or do things that may not be like what I envisioned happening. And I'm doing that in service to the idea that like things will work out. I will be able to find something and do something that's going to be able to support and sustain me and my family. So yeah, that's what I've been that's what I've been learning. Uh, this is a recent lesson, <laughs> but I, uh, am actively learning it in this moment. So it's very top of mind for me. Yes, definitely. That's powerful. See, I knew this was going to be a good check-in topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let us know what is your life lesson of 2022. Um, send us a message on DM in the DMS, post it in the Facebook group, um, I'd love to see a conversation going around so that we can all continue to learn from each other. Absolutely. All right, let's get into our letters. So our first letter comes from Comfort Queen, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from the motherfucking cold Northeast. So <laughs> must be cold over there. It is you- <laughs> cold. It's, we've got a lot of snow right now. <laughs> Great. I love that. We are. We're Great. also cold here in the Midwest. Uh Dear Sam and Sierra, hello. I'm a little nervous writing this letter as there have been many times I have tried to write you before and failed. It just never came out right. I'm feeling a little brave today and decided to write in as I hope that you can shed some of that good light on my current conundrum. I am in the early stages of dating someone. Let's call him Ice. He, him. I recently found out that he got out of a six year long relationship and was pretty aghast when he told me. So I wasn't in a place to follow up, even though I'd love to know more. I said hinted in conversations prior to dropping the six-year bomb that a year and a half ago, he had gone through a bad breakup, and I let the conversation flow naturally away from the comment. I knew it would come up later, and it did. To be honest, I'm not sure what the future holds for our relationship, but I know I like spending time with him, and so I am trying to soothe my anxieties around planning out my whole life with him and enjoying the moment. (laughs) Yeah, definitely an anxious attachment style trying to move towards secure. I need advice on how to broach this topic of this past serious 
and long-term relationship with my new lover boy. I want to extend kindness and empathy to him wherever he is in the process of healing while also getting the juicy deets, LOL. I feel pretty awkward around this subject, which is probably just because it's new to me. I haven't really dated anyone with a significant relationship adding up to six years. I'm in my mid-20s and I am moving towards more open communication with my partners, many of whom are casual now. Another layer of awkward comes from feeling healed from my past relationships and open to conversation about my partner's past lives without judgment, yet still feeling inadequate in terms of words. My heart is there, but my words are not. How do I express my want to learn more about his past relationship without prying? One of the things I'm working on in my life is sitting with someone as they are before rushing to romantic conclusions. I'm struggling in my own life with loving the beginning stages of dating and being in a relationship, but hating sitting with someone in the weird amorphous period of getting to know them. I would like to sit in this uncomfortable period so that I can date someone who I truly like. In the past, I started dating people too quickly and ended up realizing a couple months in that I hated them because I skipped over the part of actually getting to know if we were compatible. Part of me wanting to ask about Ice's past relationship is to get to know him better. I want to know how he feels loved, what he appreciated from this past relationship, and what didn't work, how he feels different, and what he wants now. But a deep, seemingly selfish part of me wants to know if he has truly healed, and if I can trust that he can bring himself to me without the deep pain of his past relationship. And truthfully, my selfish and innocent parts feel like they are clashing right now, as I'm writing this letter. I want to be a comfortable place for him to emerge out of his past relationship, but I am also deeply afraid of being hurt. So... What I would like advice on is how to broach the conversation of a recent breakup with new lovers. How do I extend care to myself when learning about someone's past? How do I prepare to listen without judgment, jealousy, or expectation? I would love to hear any advice on this, and maybe it's not as complicated as I'm making it out to be in my mind. (laughs) Love you both. And Spencer, I didn't forget about you. You too. The Comfort Queen. Oh, Comfort Queen, thank you so much for writing, listening, and trusting us with this question. I love this question. I'm not even sure if we've talked about it before. I'm sure we have in some one of these 200 plus episodes, but I love the question, how do we talk to our current or new partners about their past? Because I think it's it can be a nuanced one, especially when you know, the, the layers of the onions, if you peel one layer away under this question is like, how do I deal with, if he says something that I don't like, or that it makes me feel insecure, or what does it mean if my partner is still quote unhealed from a past relationship? Are they capable of moving on and being with me? I I love this question. And I also love that you think that that's selfish. Right. Like you, the letter writer, right? Like the idea that like the selfish part of you wants to know if this person is healed enough to be in relationship with you is like, it's like, that doesn't strike me as selfish. That strikes me as like savvy (laughs) and like understandable. And like a thing that probably a lot of people do or could benefit by doing of like actually asking our partners questions about like, how are you feeling about your capacity to be in another relationship? Is this something that you feel like you're going to need more time around? Like, or is it, are you feeling like this is the next thing, right? Like, I think that those yeah. are important questions for us to be considering. Yeah. And it, do, it does not strike me as selfish. So I was just tickled that you were like, this really selfish part of me wants to know if this man is going to like break my heart or if he's ready for a relationship. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> selfish yeah, that, that doesn't uh, 
doesn't strike me as selfish. If you were like, I really want to know the details so I can write my tell all, I'd be like, that's selfish, babe. Like, that's not the, yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, not yeah, the thing yeah, that yeah. we should be doing. But like your idea hey, of like, it I, can be, it could be both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that money. Just Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I think it's first, first off, I, I don't think I would have said this before I met my current wife because I just like was too self-absorbed but sure people have different styles regarding whether or not they like to talk about their relationships in their current day-to-day mm-hmm. i say that about my wife because like i you know i'm a fucking poet i'm a podcast host <laughs> about a, on a podcast about relationships all i do is self-reflect and talk about um past relationships For sure. all i do is like spill my secrets and my my ex's worst moments you know yes, thank it's really you like <laughs> it's making this podcast it's sustainable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it also like it teaches me a lot about myself I'm able to articulate you know where I was coming from and maybe how I want to do it differently it gives me better understanding of myself and others and obviously like I believe in talking about our past um, mistakes or choices or relationship dynamics um, so that we can learn from them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I believe in it. Before dating me, my wife has told me that historically, like she would break up with a relationship, sort of pack it away, learn from it, but then like pack it away and just like have it not be a part of her day to day life, you know? Sure. And I think that was so foreign to me when we first started dating, because even before this podcast, I was always talking about my past and my past relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's something that she had to adjust to. And I had to adjust to her, not aversion because like, she will even tell you that like, she likes how much we self-reflect and um, she likes the dynamic we have in our relationship, not to speak for her. She loves it. I'm perfect. Um, (laughs) But that's what I've gotten from my conversations with her for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that we, that, that we had to strike a balance where like, I wanted to know about her past relationships, but she didn't want to have to talk about them every time we were in a car ride. You know, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I got to learn what she learned from those past relationships, what she wished was different, what she loved about them, which is Mm -hmm. like what I like, like to learn. And she also was able to tell me like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done talking about this or, you know, that was the past and that isn't who I am anymore. You know, like, I think just, I guess, general comment, people have different relationships to how they like to talk about their past and that's okay. And in moving into these conversations, you have to be ready for those differing dynamics and you have to be ready to like give and take and that it's not necessarily an indication that they, you know, the the lesson I had to learn is somebody not wanting to talk about their past wasn't them being closed off or withholding or mysterious even. Mm -hmm. Some people just like don't find that like enjoyable conversation topics. Whereas you and I are like, give me the deets, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Tell me everything that happened, please. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think that like, despite the fact that I have this relationship advice podcast, right? Like I'm pretty compartmentalized when it comes to my relationships, my past relationships too, because like part of my sort of healing process from those relationships is to be like, okay, 
let's put that in the box and then we'll put the box on yes. the shelf and like we don't need to go back there we won't avoid it but like we don't need to like bring these items out all the time we don't need to like yeah. put them on the shelves for full display it's like this is a you have a, piece a shelf of my past. and i have like a swimming pool that yeah. i just like dive in <laughs> yeah every morning you do your laps in your <gasps> in nice your past relationships lap. <laughs> Lap around nostalgia and regret. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if people ask me questions about my past relationship, I am happy to talk about it. Yeah. Right? Like, You're it's like, like, oh, look at this nicely organized photo album. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Here are some things that happened. Here are some. Right. And sometimes, of course, like from past relationships where think bad things happened, like those things will yeah. like come up and I will want to like talk about them with other people. But I think that Sierra is absolutely right that like different people have different approaches to it. And the goal isn't to like extract all of the information as quickly as possible from this person, but how can you use this conversation as a way to continue to build relationship with each other so that you're yeah. asking questions and getting information and sort of feeling out how you navigate past relationships, how you navigate difficult conversations so that it can be not just a tool for you to like know where this person is at in their emotional healing from their past relationship, but also to say like, how does this person respond when we start having yeah. conversations that may be crunchier than just like, what kind of pizza do we want? Um, yeah. So I think what might be helpful for you to think about this is not that this is like a huge sort of like, how do we broach the topic of past relationships conversation, but instead think of it as a, what are some of the things that I'm going to try out with this person to have conversations that get at something that's deeper than just like the, oh, I really like you, or I really enjoyed that book, or, you know, I've been watching this show and I think you should watch it. And you even say in your letter that one of your goals is sort of navigating what it feels like to sit with somebody in conversation and get to know them in a way that isn't like, is this person 100% compatible for me? Or like, you know, whatever it is that you're sort of trying to glean from this. And I think this is probably like a really good practice for you mm. to be able to have that conversation with him. Like, what are the types of questions that you're going to ask him? What are you going to be listening for? Right. Rather mm. than like, like, what are you going to listen to rather than like trying to find like the exact wording? Right. Like, how are you going to remind yourself when he's speaking to you to be like, reflect back what you heard or whatever it is to like help? What are the practices you want to try to be able to help you stay in the present in this conversation, which understandably is going to trigger a bunch right. of things for my little lovely, anxiously attached person. But also like use this as practice. You can. This is like a multiple different ways that you can like help yourself out through having this conversation with him. You're so right. I'm thinking like what you just said made me think, how are you going to listen openly instead of listening for something specific? Like right now you're like, oh my God, is this person healed enough? Or like, are they still in love with their ex or whatever? So so we, we go into these conversations with a little bit of an ulterior motive, right? And sure. that ulterior motive is like, protect myself, you know, like I need to know that rooting out what's wrong. And that's, it's not like, like vindictive bad. or something, right. It's not like a, like a bad thing. It's just like, yeah, of course you're also thinking about what is the long-term sustainability of this relationship. And of course, yes. every conversation we have that is beyond like what movies we like is going to, although this may also be like a thing that makes or break the conver or the relationship as well. <laughs> but like, what is all of these conversations that get at things at a deeper level 
are at their core, not just about like, I want to get to know you as a person, but also like, I want to get to know you as a person. And are we compatible in our worldviews in the ways that we handle things? Like, I don't think that that's a necessarily ulterior, more so like maybe like a secondary motivation that we might have. You're totally right. And to get into, like, to answer your, your question a little bit less philosophically, like, here's some language that you can use in these future conversations, you know, you can say, so can I talk to you about your last relationship? Are you comfortable talking about your past? Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, or if there's another more organic way for you to bring it up, then you can ask more leading, open, curious questions like, how did that feel for you? Or Mm -hmm. what did you appreciate about this relationship? Or what did you learn from this relationship? Um, if you want to be so bold, you can say, uh, can you, do you mind telling me why you separated? You know, can you, Mm -hmm. do you mind telling me about what happened in this relationship? Like, I think that these, this is all, like Sam said, this is an okay thing to ask for. For me, it would be a a definite thing that I would ask. Um, but you also have to be prepared for your own personal triggers. Like I know that somebody talking about their ex for sure. I want to know every single detail (laughs) and also every single one of those details is going to feel like a paper cut to the eye. Absolutely. You know, you're like, just like laying yourself there and you're like, scratch me, please scratch me, me. hurt (laughs) me. Tell me it all. Uh, literally in the back of my mind, I'll be like, don't ask this. Don't ask this, Sierra. Don't do it. And then, and then out it loud, comes I go, out your mouth. so when did you first kiss and what did it feel like? <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it. Uh, do you ever dream about them? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just the most fucking inappropriate things. But so you have to be prepared. You have to pull on your like big kid pants and do that head and heart work that if you're going to have these conversations, you might hear something that make might make you feel insecure or trigger some feelings of jealousy. But that's when we do that, that head work, which is reminding ourselves that the people we love or are interested in or, or are dating have loved and been interested in and mm-hmm. dated other people, period. Yep. The, the person you love has loved someone else, most likely. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's uncomfortable. And we just have to sit in that. Like there's no changing the past. The past brought them to you today and whatever form that past showed up in, it is immovable. And there's also something like honorable in it, that it did bring them here today, that they did break up with that person or the person dumped them. And maybe that's hard that is still getting over it, but they're still here today with you. Mm -hmm. So there's in these conversations, you have to strike this balance of, like Sam said earlier, like openness, um, not just listening for, but listening to, and how can you stay present while talking about the past? How can you remember that they, they might be talking about somebody they loved once, but they're, but they're here with you today in the now, in the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and those things that you can do to stay in the present might look like repeating to yourself something about like, uh, his past isn't about me, right? Like reminding you of yourself, even as you're like yeah, hearing yeah. things, right? Uh, taking deep breaths, keeping your feet on the floor, and also like knowing your own limits around how deep into this discussion you want to get as well, right? Yes. Like, oh my God. Yes. I think, 
I think being able to to offer to him, right? And you can, you know, you can say like, and you can say no to any of the questions that I'm asking you, right? Or if you're like, I don't yeah. want to talk about this anymore. Let's talk about something else. And you could offer that same, that sort of same care to you as well, where you can say like, actually, you know what? This is like bringing up some things in me, not in like a way that needs to be fixed in, in this moment, but just in a way that it's like, I know if we keep talking about this, I'm going to start telling myself stories about what's going on. So I appreciate all that you've been willing to tell me about this and let's talk about what we're going to get for dinner or whatever it is to, to sort of pivot to. But I think sometimes, especially my, my lovely little anxiously attached folks is like, once you start, it's like really hard for you to off ramp. (laughs) Paper cut to the eye, a thousand paper cut to the eye that I literally ask for. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So like, it's like you're going to a theater, right? Like where are the exits? Like sit down, be like, okay, this is the out if we need it. And then decide when it's too much and like how you're going to (sighs) get out of the conversation. Yeah. Sierra signed because that's, she's like, oh God, I need to, I need to learn how to do this. (laughs) (laughs) In, in the trenches with you. All right. Well, I think that, that, um, answers your question to the best of our ability. We hope that this helps and, and, and I say, you know, go boldly and consensually and openly into these conversations. I think that there's some, some, some things to be learned about each other in them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love ya. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Breakup virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. 
That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes to us from Cautiously Hopeful Romantic, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing to us from The Void. Hello, my favorite Sam and Sierra. I've added another pickle to the jar of chaos that is my life and would love your perspective. (laughs) Love that. I, 31, she, her, am in the midst of a very lovely friends with benefits slash situationship with someone I've known for over 10 years, 30, he, him. We have a great communication, great sex, and enjoy spending time together. This new aspect of our friendship developed over the summer as I was having a hot girl summer, and it also happened to be the first time both of us have been single in over the course of our friendship. Well, joke's on me, because despite my best (laughs) efforts, I went ahead and fell in love. I've Mm. never experienced this level of comfort and tenderness with another person. I don't know if it's because we've known each other for so long, or just because it's my first time seeing this side of him, but it definitely doesn't feel like I'm just having casual sex with a friend. We've kind of touched on the fact that we have feelings for each other, but the only thing we've actually explicitly said is that we have crushes on each other, lol. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine, because I am working on taking things slow emotionally after a history of rushing into relationships. And now here's the issue. He just found out that he's moving to a neighboring state in January or February Mm. for basically his dream job. I'm super excited for him because this is an amazing opportunity, but pretty gutted that this is happening now while we're in this undefined territory. Part of me wants to shoot my shot and see what happens, but obviously there are a lot of what ifs in this scenario. We'd have to be long distance, and then if things end up working out, I'd be open to moving, but I also just started a business, so there would be some barrier time-wise. But also, it seems crazy to even consider that possibility since we're not even in an established relationship at this point. I'm more inclined to take that risk since I do have such a long friendship with him, but it is still a risk. Should I just enjoy the time we've got together in person and hopefully preserve our friendship? Should I shoot my shot now so that we can try to figure things out before he leaves? Should I let him go and get established and see if my feelings are still there and then try to start something? 
I just really love this man. And based on the way he treats me, I think he loves me too. And I Mm -hmm. think we'd be really great together, but I also don't want to stand in the way of his dreams or risk the life I've been working so hard on building for myself. Grateful for any insight you can offer and super thankful for all that you do. Love, cautiously hopeful, romantic. Mm. All right, Sam, you know, I'm the queen of shoot your shot. You are the queen of shoot your shot. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> I do know what you're going to say. Absolutely. When, the, when I read this letter before giving it to you, I was like, Sierra's going to say, shoot your shot. <laughs> okay. I don't see any con here. I, I don't mean, either. I'm with you. Shoot your no. shot, babe. Okay. <laughs> Go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> This is, this is why I'm queen shoot your shot 90% of the time. That's really not true. That's an exaggeration. But like in a scenario like this, you're literally saying, wow, we've been friends for 10 years. We have great sex, great communication. We really like each other. Everything's going really well. Mm-hmm. What if, what if, what if, but, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I've had like 38,000 long distance relationships and I'm married <laughs> to somebody who I dated in 2007, broke up with for 12 years and then reconnected with long distance and then got married. You know, like I don't see, the, is this a barrier? Yes. Is this a reason to not shoot your shot? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think hundred percent you should try it. I, I think Everything that you've told me about how this relationship is functioning seems great, (laughs) right? Yeah. I mean, even just the fact that you've maintained a friendship with each other for 10 years um, and have navigated like being friends with benefits in that as well. Like, it's just like, okay, cool. sounds like y'all are compatible in a lot of ways. So why not give this a go? And if you both have crushes on each other, like just just do it. Like what yeah. other, <laughs> what other information do you need? And I know that there's well, like a whole lot of like yeah. context and contingencies around this, but it's also like people move all Life the time. Short. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Life is short. People move all the time. One state away is maybe not that long, depending on how big the state is. Yeah. Right? Are you like, talking about <laughs> Pennsylvania? Cause that's like three yeah, no, years just away. Thinking, absolutely. Like Texas to like another it's state that's around California Texas. to Hawaii. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't mind us. Don't mind us. We think we're geographically funny. (laughs) We think we're hilarious. Uh, I'm like trying to think of things that aren't Midwestern, (laughs) like examples of distance. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, it would be like like living in St. Paul and having someone in Bismarck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) you know what? Bringing up the friends with benefits and long friendship thing. Like another reason why I say shoot your shot is that like, You've already chosen to irrevocably change your friendship. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that friendships end with sexual relationships. I don't think so at all, but they do change them, you know, and then you have even if you stop having sex, then you have to change them again. It requires like a conscious evolution. And you've already agreed to that. You've already agreed to have Mm -hmm. this evolution, so you're not going back to the original friendship. It will be a new friendship if right. he says, like, no, sorry, I don't want to be with you. So change is, uh, is inevitable. Everything ends, like Sam says. Well, we talked about it. We talked about it <laughs> in the check-in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I will say this. Shoot your shot. Life is short. 2022 coming to an end. 2023 could be the year of... of DTRing, what is it? Yeah, 
Determining, yep. no. Defining the relationship. Defining the relationship. <laughs> um, uh, long distance relationships are easier than ever. And another reason why I wanted to answer this letter is if he says no, or if you decide this is not the next evolution of your relationship that you actually want, um, I wonder, I want to like pose to you and our Just Break Up community if we could do this mental exercise of looking at this relationship as something good, regardless of how long it lasted. Is there a way for us to categorize sure. this in our hearts and in our minds, regardless of what he says, regardless of what this relationship turns into? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that this could be a good thing, whether or not it continues? We, sure. we prioritize culturally, we prioritize long lasting monogamous relationships over anything else, right? Absolutely. We make them as the success bar, you know, that if you've been together 50 years, it's success. If you break up your marriage or relationship failed, yep. you know, we use those words and that totally throws off the scale at which we can quantify good relationships for our lives. Mm-hmm. Our, a good relationship could be a, a it's, it could be a situation ship friends with benefit benefits relationship fling with a friend that never was deter- DTR that never turned into a marriage or a partnership or a mm-hmm. long distance relationship. And it could be a great thing for our life. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, not to, not to disqualify the potential hurt that comes from relationships ending, right? right? Like not to say like, Oh, a breakup's a good thing. (laughs) You learned a lesson. Right. But instead, like, absolutely. We know that like the fear of getting hurt, the pain of getting hurt is, is hard and is challenging. But I think, um, I'm thinking about that Tia Maori, uh, quote around like, my breakup was sort of felt like a graduation. And I think that that can be something for you too, right? Where it's like, if you shoot your shot in this relationship with this person and it doesn't work out, like, yes, it will hurt and it will suck to have lost a friend. And like Sierra said, though, that relationship has already sort of fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. But it is also like learning something about whether or not this relationship is going to work is a helpful thing for you to know so that you can make decisions based on that knowledge. Right. So like, yes, if you shoot your shot and you're like, this doesn't work out and we can't do long distance and all of that. And the friendship ends, like it's, it's a lesson to be learned that this relationship wasn't going to work for you. And so you need to be spending more time and attention somewhere where it is going to, to get to a point where it is sustaining you and, and is the relationship that you're looking for. So yes, yes, absolutely. It's scary. Uh, the potential for hurt is absolutely there. Um, the potential of loss is absolutely there. And there's also a lot to be gained in this by shooting your shot because best case scenario, you're in a relationship with a really cool guy who you have known for 10 years and have been friends with for 10 years and like are really compatible with in a lot of ways. Hot. Right. And like worst case scenario is that like you lose this friendship and you now know that this wasn't a place for you to spend all of the time that you would have invested in it otherwise. Right. Yeah. You get to do yeah. something else with it. And Sam said earlier, like, you know, is there potential for hurt here? Absolutely. Guess what? There is every day. <laughs> there There's a potential is if you for choose her not by... to shoot. Exactly. Shot. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like go for it. <laughs> go for it and let us know go how it goes. It. Go find that joy <laughs> yes. in yourself. 
by yourself and with other people. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, my darling. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter and good luck shooting that shot. Absolutely. Please let us know how it goes. We love you. I always want to know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Our next letter comes from Lost New Queer, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from off the edge of the map, there be monsters. And it turns out those monsters are me. Dear Sam That's and Sierra. has got to be a reference for something that I don't know. I think, yeah. Old maps used to have like this way be monsters when they like didn't know what was beyond the ocean. Cute. Yeah. But you're not a monster, New Lost Queer, I promise. Okay, to get into this letter, I am a 30-year-old cis woman, she, her, who has very recently begun doing the critical work of actually looking at my sexuality and figuring out what I want and need. I am fluctuating between bisexual and pansexual, I think, but it's hard to know and none of it feels familiar yet. Right now, I feel the most comfortable identifying as queer, which just feels wholly true. Um, Congratulations. What's been heavy on my heart lately is the awful reality that I can and have hurt people along my journey. For a bit more context, I have been attracted to both men and women for a long time, but I always blew off my attraction to women as purely sexual desire. I went as far as telling my roommate that I would love hooking up with a woman, but I can't imagine ending up with a woman. It wasn't until this past year that I confronted this in any meaningful way through the help of a book club with some incredibly supportive queer and straight friends. I learned more about bisexuality and what it means to question your sexuality and give yourself space to explore it. This left me with the question, so you don't see yourself ending up with a woman, but why? Really, why? Think about it. Who taught you that? Do you still want to hold on to it? I slowly started to realize that the only reason queerness still seemed like a non-option was that I had never considered it one. I had enthusiastically dated men and considered that proof that I was a happy heterosexual person. The more I thought about women I was attracted to and connected to, it slowly dawned on me that maybe this really was something I wanted. Now, I feel a bit adrift in an unknown realm of possibility. Some days it is exciting and affirming, but more and more I am starting to fear the dark corners of this new space that I just don't know yet. For example, I recently realized that I've had a crush on my friend, she, her, cis queer woman, probably since I met her two years ago. I dismissed the crush as a deep friendship, but could admit to the sexual attraction. After about a year of friendship, we slept together after a night of drinking and flirting. The way I remembered it until recently that it was fun and flirty and I loved every minute of it. I wish we talked about it a bit more afterward. My anxious heart wanted to talk it out and make sure that it didn't wreck our friendship. But all in all, it seemed we were able to stay friends. This past year, our friendship has grown even deeper and she is one of the closest people to me. Recently, the topic of our hookup came up. It started off a little silly and playful, but then transitioned into her sharing with me how it was really hard for her because she felt that she had been used by me. After our hookup, it didn't, I didn't take the time to think about what it all meant for me. I enjoyed the sexy fun times and then closed the book. The problem is I kept flirting with her in small ways and building up her hope little by little that I was actually interested in pursuing something. The sad thing is I probably would have been interested in this if I had actually looked deeper than my sexual attraction. By refusing to dig deeper, I had the luxury of just enjoying the sexual parts of our connection while I was burdening her, my kind, loving, open-hearted, vulnerable queer friend, with untangling the emotional side of it all. 
Yes, she could have talked to me about this, but I was making her feel so small and that doesn't encourage more vulnerability. During this last year, I was in a relationship with a man for about 10 months. We have since split. And she said during this time, she felt really safe around me because she knew that I wouldn't be at risk of my cavalier flirting. This devastated me to hear. All of this has sent me spiraling. I know I still have some feelings for her in some way, but I don't feel like I deserve to. The scared part of me tells me, the scared part of me feels like I should vacate her life because she deserves people who celebrate her, make her feel special and don't mess around with her. I know I didn't do any of this on purpose, but it terrifies me that I was able to hurt someone I loved by turning away my own from my own self-examination for so long. And even now that I'm in it, I have fears that I am not queer enough, that I have next to no experience being a partner to other women, that I'm going to fuck up again and my tangled, messy, buried, uncharted identity is going to explode on someone else in ways that I can't even predict. Even last week, I went on a date with a woman and during a story about her ex, I automatically asked if he had a car, to which she responded, yes, she did. I've never been so disappointed in my heteronormative brain. And that must have hurt her to hear, made her feel invalidated in some way. So my question for you both through all of this mental spiraling is how the heck do I give myself the time and grace to explore my own identity when I am when I am afraid of hurting other queer folks with my unresolved, unpracticed, work-in-progress self? Thank you so much for taking the time to read this, no matter if you chat about it on the pod or not. Sending you this helps no matter what. All my love, Lost New Queer. Oh, Lost New Queer, you're not lost anymore. You made it here. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this question and for listening. I It's funny. I was literally just making a joke to Sam earlier today. We were working on something else for the podcast and we were like talking about other neighboring queer podcasts that we are like akin to. You for know? sure. Yep. And he made a joke about me going on like a lesbian podcast and... <laughs> And I was like, I took a moment and I was like, you know, what's so wild about internalized biphobia and like homophobia mm-hmm. is that like, I am straight fucking married to a woman. <laughs> I'm like, I am legally, I'm legally queer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's paper. a document that says it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still, there's a still part of me that says you are not queer enough. And that that is not your identity to like, it's still surprising to me. Like that's how deep this biphobia runs in me or like internalized biphobia um, or whatever it is, you know, this, this denial of self that is connected to heteronormativity. Um, I have built, I have chosen such happiness and authenticity in my lived experience. But when I look or think about my life, there's still this element of surprise of like, wow, I actually let myself be that full and authentic self. Like there's something mm. still holding me back in the image of me that I have of myself. It Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is just to say, like, I mean, I literally said that to Sam this morning and That's just an example that like, you know, heteronormative culture and all of the internalized homophobia, biphobia, 
um, queer phobia that comes from that. It, you know, it, there's a lot of unconditioning that needs to happen. And that unconditioning is different for everyone. You know, mm. Sam didn't wake up today and say, oh, my God, I'm gay. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> he didn't have that relationship because he has or he didn't have that re- revelation or that experience because he has a different relationship to his queerness and his identity mm-hmm. than I do. His journey is different than mine, you know, and so you're not a first of all, you are queer enough. There's no there's no queer calculator out there that's like, Meh. nope, you're not going to. You know, I just had this image of like queer heaven, <laughs> like mm. the weird way we used to religions used to, I mean, or still do talk about like afterlife being something that you attained by like a, b- performing a certain way or whatever. For sure. I mean, this, I do this, love the idea got of got queer heaven. Really it's fast. probably going to be really fun. So, <laughs> oh my God, it would be like the best party ever, <laughs> but like, there's no, like the gates to queer heaven is the title of this yeah. episode. Not really, but, um, <laughs> You know, at the gates of queer heaven, I'm sorry, this is so like this metaphor is convoluted and based in Christianity. Um, But just the idea that there's no there's no bouncer there. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no bouncer. Let's drop the weird heaven analogy. There's no bouncer (laughs) at the gates of queerness. Right. Right. And we know that there are. Um, that there's biphobia within the queer community. We know that heteronormativity seeps in, but there's no bouncer saying like, can you, can you tell me and, and who have you slept with and in what way, what percentage of you is gay? Can you you tell me your exact attraction? Who, with whom and how? Calculating, (laughs) calculating, calculating, generating, 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 and you are queer, you know, congratulations. It reminds Um, me of the like, online quizzes that existed in, in the aughts that were like, how gay are you? Oh my God. Yes, totally. And I know some of our listeners took those and were like, oh my God, you know, like, okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so just that out the way, you know, you are queer enough. Um, your identity doesn't need a label. Uh, labels are great if they help you um, define yourself or help you point people in the direction of you. But words don't contain the infinite manifestations of your being and of your mm-hmm. attraction and of your partnerships and of your identity. Um, and what I shared earlier about my own like image of myself just proves like even in people who are married to in in queer marriages still Mm -hmm. think, Oh my God, like, am I queer enough? Like, uh, am I, this is my lived experience. Like there's still that level of separation. For sure. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to remember that as we are growing and I say we, as in like, not just you in this journey of understanding queerness in a different way, but also like me too, in this journey of Mm -hmm. understanding queerness in a different way is that we are inevitably going to hurt people in our growth. It is, it is not something that we can avoid part of which is because of the ways in which compulsory hetero or heterosexuality exists in the world, right? The ways in which compulsory sexuality exists in the world, compulsory sort of, uh, cisgenderedness exists in the world. Um, that it's a hard thing to unlearn, right? It is something that takes intention and that takes time. Um, And just the reality that like we're human beings who are obviously going to make mistakes uh, some of the time. And those mistakes are going to hurt people. 
Um, and I like I can give you an example that happened to me just recently where a friend who had came come out to me as bisexual uh, multiple times. I referred to her as a straight woman and she was like, what? And I was like, no, you're not. You are bisexual. Right. And I had to like I felt awful about it. And I me, also guys. was like, it was not, it was a different <laughs> bi friend I know, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> and was like, ah, oh, shit, I really, really fucked that up. And guess what? We have a relationship with each other, right? Like we are able to move through this. And rather than spending the time of being like, oh, I'm a horrible person. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I'm not evolved enough. I can't believe I'm not farther enough in my queerness. I had to be like, stop doing that. Cause that's not productive. Instead, what am I going to do? to remember this person's identity and like what, what sort of switches need to flip in my brain for me to like actually hear. And I like bring this into my understanding of this person because mm. I clearly haven't yet. So that needs to be something that I do that is a, apart from, from this person and is not about me as being a good or a bad person, but just a person Mm-mm. who clearly didn't listen hard enough and makes mistakes in his relationships with other people. I think this isn't unique to, queerness and queer identity and how Mm -hmm. we how we come into our queerness like this is a common human experience this hurting people because we didn't we only know what we know you know I think about all my relationships in my 20s if I knew what I know now I could just easily say like you're not the one for me (laughs) (laughs) I am not for you Uh but guess what I didn't I didn't have that language I didn't have that perspective back front back then you know it And for those of you out there that are like being especially hard on yourself and saying like, well, I should have known better. Well, you didn't, you didn't period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like, and it might've been like a stupid, obvious thing. Like, like this example, you just said, Sam, like, thank you for sharing that because it's, it's a perfect example of just a mistake that happened because you weren't quite there yet. You hadn't quite actualized that in your brain. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, oftentimes we're like, oh, well, I should have known better. Or like, I do know better. I should have done differently. That's not, that's that's like an impossible standard that we're holding ourselves to. And sometimes we do need that extra experience that unfortunately sometimes hurts people or whatever to finally cement it. Like, are you ever going to deny that person's sexuality again? Never. Right. Because you had that experience, right? And I also want to say to this person that you went on a date with that you misgendered their ex, you said, oh, I feel like I invalidated her and I must have hurt her. Like, did she say that? Did right. she say that that she hurt you, that she was invalidated by you? Because it's okay to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. We we do live in a heteronormative culture that assumes heteronormativity all around us. And that is a part of our language. That is a part of our culture that is a part of, you know, every conversation around us. So you made a linguistical error that is rooted in our culture. And also, I bet you won't do it again. I bet you <laughs> right. learned from that. Uh-huh. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also think that like even going back to your experience with your your friend where you sort of were exercising this like this learning with them, um is that we hurt the people that we love sometimes, right? Like we hurt our friends when we do things that, that aren't in alignment with how they see us or how they want us to behave. And I understand that it's like, this is significantly more fraught because it's also about sort of this identity that's coming up for you. And what does this identity mean and how is it going to play out in your life? But what I want to want to point out to you is that like, 
she also told you how she felt afterwards, right? Like not immediately yeah. afterwards, right? And you you sort of talked about like, you know, it takes two people to talk to each other about what's going on here. But the fact that you have cultivated enough of a relationship with her that she trusted you to tell her, she trusted you enough to tell you that the actions that you did hurt her is wonderful, right? It sucks yeah. that you hurt her for sure. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to toxic positivity. Like you shouldn't feel bad about this. You can feel bad about this hundred percent. And the fact that she trusts you enough to say this thing that you did was hard for me. And I trust you enough that you're going to sit with this. You're going to hear it. You're going to hold it. And you're going to do things differently is a mark of the fact that you have developed a, a, a good relationship with her, a trusting relationship with her, a vulnerable relationship with her. And maybe it wasn't always that way. Maybe a year ago, it was much less vulnerable because you were less capable of being vulnerable in it. But look how it's, a cha- look how it's changed. Look how it's adapted mm-hmm. and look how strong it has become because when people I don't trust hurt me, they don't know about it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like that's my experience. Mm-hmm. They don't. The people who hurt me who I trust know about it because I know that they're a safe place for me to confide about this. They're in the arena, right? As Brene Brown would say, they're in the arena with me. So I can trust them with this information. So I know that it's really hard to know that you caused this hurt to this person. And I want you to feel that hurt and sort of recognize that, that, that the actions that you took did this thing. And I also want you to hear what your friend is saying, which is that she was able to come to you with this information and you were able to receive it and hear it in a way that doesn't harm her again, but that like respects her experience of it and, and committing to do something different. Yeah. And I also want to say that it's okay for other people to have complicated feelings about us. You know, when this friend articulated that they felt safer with you when you were in a relationship, like, damn, that, that must've been hard to hear because it's hard to picture ourselves as a volatile or unsafe place for people. Like that doesn't Mm. feel good. It doesn't feel good for me to imagine that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And also it's okay for somebody to have a complicated feeling about me and to and to take steps or um, protect themselves yep. to feel safer around me. Like that's their right. Just like it's okay for us to put up boundaries or choose, um, you know, say that somebody is not for us. Uh, people can choose to interact with us in a way that feels safe for them. And I know that's hard to hold in your heart because we have such impossible standards for ourselves. Mm. We say we have to be good for everyone. We have to be good to everyone. We have to know everything about ourselves so that we have no revelations in such a way that hurt other people. Mm -hmm. And that's just impossible. There has to be a middle ground. Like Sam says, you can feel bad. I think it's your humanity saying, I feel bad. I hurt this person. That's, that's, that's it right there. That's what we need. But that needs to be wrapped in this compassion for yourself that you only knew what you know now. And that, and that awareness grows and ebbs and flows. And that this other person, it's okay that this person in your life has, has a complicated relationship to you. It's okay that this person in your life thinks of you and doesn't feel wholly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's an uncomfortable truth to sit with for a lot of us, but it's the truth. 
Yeah, because shame is so often so much easier than than operating in this place of like, of course I'm going to make mistakes and I need to be accountable for them, <laughs> right? It's so much easier to be like, oh yes. God, I'm just a horrible person. Like that, that is such a, that's a really convenient off ramp from vulnerability. And, yes. and what you're doing in this moment, which I really appreciate is sort of recognizing like, oh, I feel so guilty about this. And how am I supposed to move forward with it? How am I supposed to choose yes. to do different things? And and that's the work. Like that is where we find growth. That is where we we start to be in deeper and more right relationship with our our folks. And I appreciate that you're willing to hold that hurt and say, I'm not going to offload this into like a, a thing that's much easier. I'm going to hold it. Um, and just recognizing like that, that that's really challenging and that you're doing it right to give you some mm-hmm. credit for that. You are doing it in this moment. And, and it doesn't necessarily get easier. Like we might build some more practice around it, but I see you doing it. And I want you to, to continue to figure out what does it look like? Not just to feel bad, but also to feel bad and be able to hold that in the perspective of people are complicated. Things are messy. And the only thing I can do is do something differently next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my darling, we hope that this helps. Thank Thank you you so much much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you are really going to like. So this week we want to send you home with... It's a television show that I'm sure has been out for years, but my wife and I just discovered it. My aunt actually told me about it. She was like, I laugh out loud watching this. And we were like, sure. Okay, let's give it a go. It's called Ghosts. And there's a BBC Mm -hmm. version and an American version. And I've only watched the BBC version. It is, I think, from what I can tell of the reviews, better. You sure. can, I think we watched it on HBO Max, but it's on Amazon Prime, a couple other streaming things, I think. Um, it has made me laugh out loud. It's so charming. <laughs> it's so fun. They do such a good job. And I just want to say, like, if you look at, you know, it's a, it's a concept of this married couple inherit an old, like, manor house. And there's all these ghosts that live in it that passed in that area or in that house, anywhere from like a caveman to um, somebody who like died in the eighties. And uh, it's, you think that they're going to be, what I love about the show is that I love any character that you think is going to be very one dimensional or like been there, seen that Mm -hmm. Um, you think it's going to, you think you're going to know these characters based on uh, assumptions that you have about them. Um, And you just don't like they end up being like 10 times funnier or more unique than you think that they are. And we've been loving it. And there are three seasons out. So it's like the perfect, uh, you know, if you want to go binge something over the holidays, check it out. Ghost, got to get the BBC version. So if they don't have British accents, you're watching the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Helpful. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can get our merchandise. Please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review as well as hitting that uh, subscribe or follow button wherever (laughs) you get your podcast. Doing it in a different order, trying to mix things up. 
And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his uh, documentary that he scored, A Race to Alaska, and his most recent podcast, Dang, That's Weird. And remember, you have full permission from life to make mistakes, to learn as you go. That is the only path. None of us are born with a manual on how to do this. So we have to just take it day by day. We only know what we know when we know it. And then we can do better tomorrow when we know more. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>